Hey, good morning. How are we doing this morning? Well, it's good to see you. My name is Alex Alexander. I'm one of the pastors here at Lawrence Free Methodist Church. And uh, if you don't know it, football is back. And uh, all God's people said, amen for that. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. Um, we had the trifecta this weekend. We had a KU, K-State, and a Texas Longhorn victory. Yeah. So that doesn't happen often that all three teams win on the same weekend, but we'll take it. And so it was fantastic. Uh, as you can tell, I'm a little giddy that it's football season. And, uh, and so anyway, um, it, I'm, I'm excited. Um, excited to be with you this morning. Hey, I want to let you know just a quick little announcement. We have uh, a visiting a missionary family with us today, the Lorenz family. Uh, Sons, uh, the leader of the family, Glenn, he had to stay back in Columbia. But where's Wendy and the kids, are they? Hey, right here. Look at this. This is the Lorenz family right here. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, they've been free Methodist missionaries for a very long time. And as I was teasing her earlier, suffering for the Lord Jesus in Costa Rica. <laughs> and uh, I'm kidding. They, they live in the inner city. It's, it's tough work there. And so we're glad to have them today. There's actually a potluck uh, after service today uh, for those that are participating in that, and you'll get to hear from Wendy and the kids and what God's doing through them in Costa Rica. And so we're glad that you're here today. Thanks for being with us. Um, Hey, if you're visiting with us, you're our special guest. We're glad that you're here. Travis has already welcomed you. But I want to give you a little disclaimer today because we're in a a series that's a little different than normal. Uh, What we love to do around here at our church is we love to open up God's Word And we love to dive into that, and we like to find some things that we can apply to our lives and make God's Word come alive and make it relevant for us personally. But that's not what this series is that we're in. We're in a series called Rebrand, Rediscovering Our Mission and Purpose. And in this series, what we're doing is really as a church family, we're walking through, we're kind of recalibrating, trying to remember and remind ourselves why we do this thing that we do. Because there's got to be something more than just showing up on Sunday mornings, amen? I mean, you can find something better. Playing golf would be better to do uh, than just showing up here. And so we've got to remind ourselves why we gather, why we do what we do. And, and, uh, and so this is kind of really more of a series for our church family. And so I tell you that because if you're visiting and you're our guest, we're glad that you're here. Uh, you're why we exist as a church, and, and you're just going to learn some unique things. Maybe some exciting things about us while you're here. And so we've, we've gotten two weeks underneath our belt. We've got today and next week to go. And then we'll get back into our Matthew series. And so again, just a bit of a disclaimer for those that are, are visiting and our guests. When we started the series two weeks ago, um, we went through a lot of information in week one. And the most important thing that we shared in week one was our new mission statement. And we kind of recalibrated and updated our mission statement. Uh, And so I want to put that on the screen, and I want you to say that with me. Okay, you ready? We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. That's it. I mean, that's our purpose. That's our reason for existing. That's why we do what we do here. We want to be followers of Jesus. We want to be known in this community as followers of Jesus who are helping others find and follow Jesus. It just doesn't get any more basic than that. 
that, that is the lens through which we look. That is the lens through which we will program ministries. That's the lens through which we will um, look through when it comes to attributing dollars to things around here and what we're going to support and what we're going to do and things that we need to stop doing and things that we need to start doing, all because we want to help people find and follow Jesus. That's our mission. So that's the most important thing. Uh, if you don't hear me say anything else in the four weeks worth of messages, I hope that you hear that. And in fact, I hope you get sick and tired of hearing it, because we have got to ingrain that into our DNA. It's why we do what we do. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. And then what we also shared in week two was this strategic pathway, this discipleship pathway, this journey that we want people to be on. So if you're a member here or a regular attender at our church, this is what we not want from you, but what we want for you. These are kind of three steps that that we hope as a regular attender and a member of this church that you'll be involved with. And we said our strategic pathway was these three great alliterated words, right? Gather, grow, and go. And and so when it comes to gathering, what we said was is that we want to gather regularly for worship, which is what we're doing right now. We, We just want to be a people that if you're in town, that you're here gathering for worship. We want you to make that a part of your life. And we looked at some scriptures that tell us why the gathering is important. Then we talked about step two, and step two is is growing. And when we talk about growing, we're talking about growing in our relationship with Jesus and others. I'm going to unpack that a little bit more here this morning in just a minute. But that's what we talk about when we talk about growing. And then finally, we talk about going. And going means we go on mission with Jesus both locally and globally. And that's what we're going to address next week. And so that's our strategic pathway. We want to be people who gather regularly for worship, that we want to grow in relationship with Jesus and others, and then we want to go on mission both locally and globally. And if you remember, last week we introduced this metaphor of the table. Again, I told you if you're Last week, if you're visiting, we don't normally have a a, a set dining room table uh, on stage. This isn't part of the stage furniture. No one plays this instrument. This is is just here for illustrative purposes. And we talked about the table, and what we talked about was this is really God's table. And, And you and I, the church, we come and we occupy the chairs around the table. We said the church is a table where people come and they feed on the bread of life. Now, just a quick time out. I wish you could see this loaf of bread. This is the same loaf of bread I used last week. Um, so if you're like allergic to penicillin, isn't that, the, isn't that what grows? Yeah, so don't touch this thing. It'll make you sick. I guess I'll, I'll buy a fresh loaf for, for next week. And so, listen, we talked about how we come to the table to get the bread of life. And the bread of life is Jesus, right? Because what did he say about himself in John chapter 6, verse 35? He said, well, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And so we've been introducing this concept that you and I, we gather at the table. This is God's table, and we come to get the bread of life. And we talked about how we need different chairs around the table. And so last week, we spent a lot of time talking about this chair. Talked about chair number one. And we said, this chair 
is the gathering chair. And so each one of our three chairs go with our strategic pathway. We have the gathering chair, the growing chair, and the going chair. And last week we talked about this chair and that our primary focus when it comes to gatherers is, is unbelievers. That every church ought to have people seated at the table that don't yet believe in Jesus Christ. That as we look around the room this morning, there ought to be a, a healthy amount of people in this place that are just checking it out. That you're just showing up for the gathering. That you're kicking the tires of faith. Again, that's why we exist. And if that's you here this morning, you are welcome here. We are so excited that you're here. And so we talked about chair number one being the, the gatherer's chair. And that primarily, this is a, a focus of unbelievers. And I talked to you about three five-year goals last week and one short-term goal. And I just want to quickly remind you of those things, four goals that we had for this chair. The first one was that we want to make more room at the table for people who don't believe in Jesus. And so last week, strategically, we said we want to see our worship service attendance grow by 10% annually. That's a very achievable goal for us. We're down in attendance a little bit on Labor Day weekend, but last week we had a little over 200 people in this room. So all that means is from August of 2019 until August of 2020 that, that we want to add about 20 people into this space. But we want to do that year after year after year so that over a period of about five years, we'd add about 140, 150 or so people to our church body in this service. In the first service, we had 90 people last week, and so we just want to add nine people to that first service. We want to grow by about 30 people over the next 12 months. It's very achievable, very doable. And we do that by making room at the table for people to gather. We do that, you do that, I do that by reaching out and inviting our friends. We just want to invite people to gather at the table. We want to make room for some gatherers. The second goal that we talked about is that, that we want to um, grow our children's ministry by 20% and our teen ministry by 15%. And the reason that those are a little greater than, than just our, our worship service attendance for our adults is, is we looked at some demographics last week that told us that within a five-minute drive of this church, that 73% of the people who live in our zip code, five to ten minutes from where we're physically located right now, are under the age of 45. 73%. Under the age of 45, we have an opportunity and a responsibility to grow younger, but by reaching the young families that live, almost 20% of the people that live in this zip code are under the age of 17, their school age. It's fascinating. And so we want to grow there. And I, I told you how we've hired a next-gen pastor, Kevin Coronado. He starts in about a month. In fact, their first Sunday here will be the last Sunday in September. And Amanda Carboon is going to be working with our children in children's ministry. So, so we want to grow in those areas. And then last but not least, we talked about how we want to launch, strategically launch, a college and singles ministry. We looked at those same demographic numbers and saw that 43% of the people that live within 5 to 10 minutes of this church are between the ages of 18 and 29. Like 4 out of 10 people are between the ages of 18 and 29. And lots of those are college students, and lots of those are, are singles who've stuck around after college and made Lawrence their home. And so we want to reach them, and that'll be part of Kevin's job as well. And then we had a fourth goal, which is a short-term goal, in renaming our church. 
We said it's important that we build not a wall between us and the community, but a bridge to our community. And if changing the name of our church helped us build a bridge to the community, wouldn't it be worth doing? And so we discussed that last week, and we actually started that process. And you'll see an insert in your worship guide this morning that, by the way, Bethany, where are you? You're out in the lobby in the back of the room. Man, you knocked it out of the park with that little flyer in there. Anyway, that was a side note. It was a professional moment that Bethany and I were having. She did a really great job on that flyer. I haven't told her that yet. I didn't see it till this morning. But there's more information that's located there in that flyer. See how you can be a part of this process, and our timeline really unfolds over the next five or six weeks. In fact, you've really embraced this. Our goal, and I thought this was like a really big goal to set, was to come up with 150 different names. Do you know in the first week, as of this morning, uh, you have eclipsed the 200 name submission? Yeah, it's been fascinating. So apparently you have, you're figuring it out. You're figuring out how to submit the names because we've collected over 200 of them. And so if you don't have an internet access at home or a computer at home, we'll have people in the lobby right after this service that can assist you with that. But we'll open that up for one more week and then we'll start this process of kind of narrowing it down until we find a, a new name. Bottom line is, is we want to make more room at the table for people to gather who've yet to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Then we talked about chair number two here just a little bit. And this is the growing chair. This is where we're going to focus our attention this morning. And so we want to have growers, people who are growing in their faith. They've taken a step from this chair Something important has happened between this chair and, and this chair, which is they've placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and now they're growing in their faith. And then we talked about this third chair over here that we'll talk about next week, and we said this is the goer's chair, and this is for people who get it. This is for mature believers. In fact, I'm going to do something this morning I'm going to suggest to you that those who come to the worship gathering on Labor Day weekend are by default mature believers. <laughs> and you all belong in the goer's chair because we said that people who sit in this chair, you just get it. Like you just understand what, what church is all about, what the gathering is all about. You see it as your uh, objective to help people get from this chair to this chair and from this chair to this chair, and so you give of your time, you give of your talent, you give of your treasure to the church, and so we're going to talk more about that chair next week. Today, I want to talk about this chair. I want to talk about what it means to be a grower, someone who's growing in their faith. When we talk about growers, we're again talking about people who are growing in their relationship with God and with others, and here's how you do that around here is that we believe that growth happens best within the context of community. That that's what it means to sit in this chair, is that you some way, somehow, have just simply moved from, from coming on Sunday mornings and observing the service, and you've moved in to a level of community. You're growing in your faith with others. You cannot grow in your faith um, by yourself. There's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. You just simply won't find it. In fact, Jesus put 12 men around himself. He didn't do what he did by himself. Do you think he was capable? Absolutely. 
but he chose to do it within the context of community. I don't know if you've ever thought about it like this, but we believe around here that we serve a triune God. We believe in the Trinity. We believe that there's one God and three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you know what that means? Our God himself is in community. Like by his very nature, he is community. And we believe that each one of us, as a human being, has stamped in our DNA code what's called the Imago Dei, which means we have the image of God stamped in us. And if you and I have the image of God stamped in us, we are created for community, point blank, period. You cannot do this life alone. And so growth, growing in your faith, happens best within the context of community. That's what it means to occupy this chair. And if you don't already know that, let me give you some benefits of why you should sit in this chair. I want to give you some benefits of community, what it means to be in community. Here's one. One benefit of being in community is is that it meets practical needs. It just meets practical needs. It was fascinating if you look at the book of Acts, and we've studied that around here before, but in Acts chapter 1, we see the launch of the church, and so Jesus gives the disciples this command to to go into the ends of the earth and then the next thing we know the Holy Spirit descends on them and it gets really weird because there's like dancing tongues of fire above their heads and stuff that just sounds really weird to us but here here's the deal here's what happens they they get on fire for Jesus and they just start telling people in the surrounding town about Jesus and people are stepping from chair one to chair two This is what's happening in the book of Acts. They're moving from a a place of unbelief to a place of belief. And Acts chapter 2 tells us a little bit about what's happening. It says, and all who moved from chair 1 to chair 2 and all who believed were together and had things in common. And they were selling their possessions. And they were collecting all of this and they were distributing it to those who had need. And so today... You'll go home after church. You'll put a for sale sign in your front yard. (laughs) Kidding. Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm teasing. We see that they were just basically meeting practical needs. This was a new thing that was happening that they wanted to be a part of, and so they wanted to help meet one another's needs. When you're in community, you get practical needs met. In fact, last Saturday, um, I had noticed, like, the week before last, a little bit of like water was appearing in our, our garage. It was kind of coming. It kind of looked like it was coming from um, where our uh, air handler and hot water heater are kind of located inside the garage, just a little bit of water. And then last Saturday morning, I woke up, went out to the garage, and I could see like a water line on the sheetrock that was just below the, the hot water heater and the AC. And I'm like, something's leaking. And so here's my issue, okay, I'm not really a handyman, but I'm not, a, I'm not afraid, but, it, but this is a dangerous combination. I'm not a handyman, and I'm not afraid to try things, so I just started tearing stuff apart. Like, I just got a saw out and cut the sheetrock and removed the sheetrock. I was like, something is leaking behind the sheetrock. I know that's where it's coming from, so I'm just going to go attack it. I have no idea what I'm doing. Obviously, about 30 to 45 minutes in, I get to a point where I'm like, yeah, this has exceeded my expertise. And so I picked up the phone and I called a few people in our church that could help. 
And one man dropped everything and came over and helped me fix it. He was just helping meet a practical need. If I didn't know him, if we weren't in community together, then we wouldn't have that opportunity. I'd be on the phone with a plumber or something paying three and four and five hundred dollars to fix what was probably a fifteen dollar fix for somebody that knew what they were doing. It's just one little illustration about how when you're in community, sometimes you help others meet practical needs. Tornadoes come through. We help one another clean up. You sacrifice your resources so that we can give to those in need. One of the benefits of community is just helping others meet practical needs. Here's the second benefit of community. is community carries you emotionally. I love Galatians 6. I love this this verse where it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I mean, we are in community because sometimes we just need one another emotionally. I mean, if you don't have some sort of tragedy or drama going in in your life right now, right? We all know this. It's just a matter of time before something happens, before we lose a loved one, before we lose a job before there's something that's going on in, in our life. Maybe sin has taken hold of our life and we are just at the end of our rope. Maybe anxiety has set in. Something's happening. And one of the benefits of community is that we have other people around us to help us emotionally through seasons like that, to help bear one another's burdens. It's a benefit of community. Life is difficult to do alone, especially if you don't have someone to lean on emotionally. And so, again, as we talk through the strategic pathway, this isn't something that we want from you. It's something we want for you, and the reason that we want it for you is because community helps meet practical needs, and it's there to help us emotionally. Here's a third benefit of community. It reveals your gifts and talents reveals your gifts and talents. There's, I can't remember off the top of my head, but if you were to look through the New Testament, there are over 70 to 80 different commands that say one another. Like talking to believers about loving one another, praying for one another, giving for one another, meeting one another's needs, one another, one another, one another. And one of the big ones is serving one another. That's what we do at the church, and when we get together collectively, we find out what the different gifts are that we all have so that collectively we're doing as a body what only we can do as a body in this community. Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians. He says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And he does this beautiful thing. He says, the gospel's for everyone. And he says, for we are in one spirit and we're all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We're all made to drink of one spirit for the body does not consist of one member but of many. I'm a firm believer that when Wendy and I got married, just, just the two of us, that God had something for us that only the two of us could do that neither of us could do by ourselves. That, that, that it's some sort of ministry. Maybe it's the premarital counseling ministry that, that we've had and had the opportunity to see tons and tons of, 
of people go through our premarital counseling. I don't know, but here's what I, I believe is that there was something that God had or has for Wendy and I that, that is bigger than both of us that neither of us could do on our own, but together we could do. I believe that about your family. Whether you've got two people in your family or five, some of you have eight in your nuclear family. But like there's something that you can do as one body with many members that you couldn't do by yourself. I believe that about our church. I believe that every person in this room has something to give. And if we're going to be a place that helps people find and follow Jesus, if we're going to be a place that grows annually 10% in our worship attendance and, and, and has thriving kids' ministries and launches a college ministry and a singles ministry, that, that it's going to take many of us to make that happen. Not one of us, but many members to make that happen. That's a benefit of community. And so you jump in with both feet and you end up finding out, oh, I didn't know I had this gift or I had this talent or maybe I knew that, but I didn't know how maybe I could use it to serve the greater good. So benefit of being in community and growing in your faith is that your gifts are revealed and they help us to serve one another. And then here's the fourth benefit of community. Community offers healthy accountability. Now, the room always gets silent when we talk about this. Because accountability is the gift that we all need, but nobody wants. That, that, that's what it is. It's like that Christmas gift that somebody gives you, and you're like, oh, thanks. Right? This is a gift, though, that we need. No, nobody wants. James 5 talks about this. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And he's talking about healthy accountability here. That for us to be growing in our faith oftentimes requires us to lean on each other spiritually so that we can help each other mature. And so a benefit of, of community is healthy accountability and you can't have accountability by yourself. It just doesn't work that way got to have people that come alongside you that are, you're all working together for some sort of greater good, and within the context of that, you can have healthy accountability. So again, this isn't anything that I want from you. I want it for you. I want you to experience all the benefits of what it means to be a growing believer in Jesus Christ, and you grow within the context of community. I want to give you three goals that we have for this chair, that we have for the growing chair. Let me share these three goals with you. Between August of 2019 and August of 2024, we want to baptize 100 people. And so we want to see 100 people move from this chair to this chair. And in between here, we want to see them step into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and signify that through baptism. I mean, if you can't get excited about that, you should just go home. I mean, of all the goals, we have nine goals that we're going to talk about in totality over the three weeks, and there just is not one more important than that goal right there. In fact, when we stop baptizing people, that's a sign I need to go find something else to do. 
I need to go find a new job when we're not baptizing people anymore. In fact, we should just close the doors and all go somewhere else and join a church that's thriving, that's baptizing people. Because if this isn't happening, we absolutely have no purpose for our gathering. Because it ain't about us. It's about everyone else. And so this is a worthy goal for us to have, to see a hundred people, listen, a hundred people move from death to life in Christ. It just doesn't get any more exciting than that. And the good news is it's achievable. I think in the year and a half, not quite a year and a half that I've been here, I think we've seen about 12 people or so um, signify their relationship with Jesus through baptism. So this is an awesome goal. We want to see 100 people move from chair one to chair two through the ordinance of baptism. Here's goal number two. We want to see 75% of our weekend attendees either in a connect group or a small group of some kind. That's an aggressive goal, friends. (laughs) 75%. That, That means last week of 200 people were in the service. We want to see 150 of you connected in a connect group or a small group. And, and I don't want to confuse the two terms because years ago when this church moved from a Sunday school model to a, a, a small group model, what happened back in the day is a lot of the Sunday school classes became small groups that met in homes. And so we still have some of those in our church body. And if you're doing that, fantastic. That means you're doing community with other believers. We're not going to put an end to that. We don't want to see you stop doing that. But a year ago when I got to this church, and we got to last fall, the truth is, is we didn't have very many people under a certain age, probably about 60, 55, 60, something like that, not very many people at all doing community, doing life with others. And so we started connect groups. And many of you, especially in an older crowd, kind of poo-pooed that a little bit because of the content and the format of it. But can I just tell you, like last Sunday, we had almost 40 people under the age of 50 connected in connect groups where we had almost zero a year ago. That's phenomenal. We want to see people step into community. Again, we want it for you not from you, not just so we can check a box that says we achieved the goal of 75% because you're missing out if you're not connected in community. And so we'd love to see you join a connect group or a small group. And then last but not least, the third goal is this. We want to see 60% of our weekend attendees serving once a month, serving regularly once a month, discovering those gifts and talents, this one body but many members mentality. Can I just be honest with you? If you're coming to worship on Sunday mornings and you're a Christ follower and you're not in community and you're not serving, you're a selfish consumer. That makes you a selfish consumer of a service. Being in a church means that we're all in it together. And so listen, This can never be at 100%. If these numbers are 100%, do you know what that means? That means nobody's sitting in this chair. That's bad news. So so these numbers need to be higher, though, than they are right now because we have a lot of consumers in our church. We probably have about 35% of our church body that's serving regularly, monthly. We might have about 40 to 45% 
that's currently in community. We have a ways to go here. But you can't be in this chair. You can't have moved from this chair to this chair and not be doing life with others. That's what being part of a church is all about. And so if you're here, just let me recap real quick. Here's what you need to do. If you're here this morning and you've yet to be baptized, but you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then you need to get baptized. We'd love to see you get into the baptismal waters. If you're here this morning and you haven't placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there's nothing more than we would rather talk to you about today, tomorrow, next week, than what it means to step into a relationship with Him and experience life to the fullest. And so if you're here today and and you have been saved or you haven't been saved and you want to have that conversation, then just take one of the connect cards and let us know. Just indicate on there, I want to talk to somebody about this. We need to move people from chair one to chair two through the ordinance of baptism. If you're here and you're not in a connect group or a small group, we've made it so easy. You come Sunday mornings at 930. We've actually put up, we've made it even easier than that. In the, in the rooms down the hallway, we've just... we've. Uh, organize it by age, and there's ages on the door, and it says 18 to 30, or 30 to 40, or 40 to 55. Like, it's super easy to find. In fact, here's the deal. If, if you want to feel 20 years younger, go to a class 20 years younger. We don't care. No one's standing at the door checking IDs, okay? It's not the club. Just get into community. We did have that question, because we have some unique situations. Wendy and I are four years apart, so there's times where, like, One half of our relationship is in a younger age bracket. Always her. Listen, she loves this month. See, what happens is my birthday was in August and and hers is in September. So for these five weeks, I'm four years older than she is, and she just rubs it in in this month. Oh, man. But, But just go somewhere. We take care of your kids. You have absolutely no excuse. Just show up at 9.30 and meet others who are in the same stage in life as you are and step into community. And last but not least, we want you to serve. It's so fulfilling when you find that God has wired you to do something that only you can do to help the body. And so here's what we're going to do in our our weekly... um, e-note that we send out. We send out an LFMC info every Wednesday now. We're going to put a link in there that will link to a form, and we want you to look at that form, and just you'll be able to indicate some places on there. Coffee and communion. I'd love to serve coffee or communion, or I'd love to greet people at the door. I'd love to hold babies, or I'd love to join the worship team. Like, whatever it is, like, we're going to make room at the table for you. Some of you have some gifts and talents, and you're not using it, and it's a crying shame. And so we're going to make room for you at the table. So look for that email this week. Look for that link. And if you're not currently serving once a month, we want that for you. We want you to experience the fullness that comes from serving one another. That's it. That's the, that's the growing chair. Next week, we're going to talk about the going chair, and what it means to be on mission with Jesus, both locally and globally. And so I hope that you'll make it a point to be here.